Our presentation today is Unitarian Universalism and the Belief in God by Eileen Haikus. Eileen Haikus is a member of Prairie and has been a UU for over 30 years. Eileen has presented homilies to congregations in Colorado, Arizona, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, and of course here at Prairie. <laughs> uh, welcome, Eileen. Good morning. Some time ago, I was talking to a friend at a Colorado Unitarian Universalist Fellowship, and she shared a story about a brief discussion she had had with a minister from another church. After talking with him about her affiliation with Unitarian Universalists, he responded, oh, the atheists. Not being an atheist, my friend was surprised by the minister's remark. More recently, a member of a UU congregation in Washington State told me that a friend of hers visiting her fellowship exclaimed, the UUs are a club, not a church. These are probably not isolated views of our religious denomination. While statistically, only about 10% of Unitarian Universalists identify themselves as atheists, and about 18% as agnostics, we seem to find ourselves at a time in history when more than a few people associate Unitarian Universalism with atheism, or its cousin, humanism. That being the case, I thought it might be a good time to take stock of our faith's history, beliefs, and attitudes about God, how they have evolved in the past, and how they might be continuing to evolve today. The Unitarian religion is a faith with its roots in Christianity. The earliest Unitarians believed in the Old and New Testaments, but broke with mainstream Christianity by rejecting one of the main tenets of that religion, the Trinity. Unitarians have always believed that God is one, refusing to be swayed in their belief due to the fact that there is no basis for the doctrine of the Trinity in scripture. However, during the first three centuries of the Christian church, it was an accepted practice for believers to choose from a variety of tenets about Jesus. Among them, the belief that Jesus was an entity sent by God on a divine mission rather than God himself. Christians lost their freedom to voice opinions about such issues after the Nicene Council in 325 CE and the council at Constantinople in 381 CE. Constantine, the new head of the Roman Empire, knew that his ability to continue to hold power was dependent on his unifying the Christian sects upon whom he relied for support against his pagan enemies. To that end, he promoted the establishment of the Trinity and the divinity of Jesus as dogma. Those who continued to hold Unitarian beliefs were often exiled, tortured, or killed. It was in Transylvania in the 16th century that Unitarian congregations were first freely established. 
Francis David, eloquent court preacher to King John Sigismund, was, quote, so well versed in scripture that he seemed to have the whole Bible at his tongue's end, unquote. Like other Unitarian thinkers before him, he rejected the Trinity because he found no evidence for it in the scriptures. In addition, he maintained that, quote, there is no greater piece of folly than to try to exercise power over conscience and soul, both of which are subject only to their creator, unquote. His arguments were so persuasive that the king decreed that preachers in his kingdom would be allowed to preach the gospel, each according to his own understanding of it. The king passed this enlightened law when he was just 28 years old. The lives of these 16th century liberals were therefore guided by the example set by Jesus rather than by worship of him. Universalism, founded in the late 18th century, also began as an offshoot of Christianity, rejecting the precept of the church that only those who accepted Christ as savior would find a place in the kingdom of heaven. Universalists rejected the notion of hell. They understood God to be a benevolent being and since all people were children of God, they believed that Christ's death ensured salvation for everyone. For evidence of this, they quoted St. Paul in Romans 5.18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, Christ, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. In 1895, Universalist minister Hosea Balao argued that as finite creatures, human beings were incapable of offending an infinite God. He rejected the orthodox argument that the death of Jesus Christ was designed to appease an angry God and replaced it with the idea that God is a being of eternal love who seeks the happiness of his human children. Therefore, he preached that upon death, everyone was transformed by the power of God's love as they entered eternity. Universalism grew during the Revolutionary War era as Universalists saw democracy as a way of establishing heaven on earth. Universalism challenged its members to reach out and embrace people whom society often marginalized. The Gloucester Church included a freed slave among its charter members, and Universalists became the first domination to ordain women to ministry, beginning in 1863 with Olympia Brown. The Universalist belief in a God which embraced everyone eventually evolved into the belief that lasting truth is found in all religions, and that dignity and worth is innate to all people regardless of sex, color, race, or class. This inclusive theology has been the hallmark of our movement ever since. In 1961, the Unitarian and Universalists merged their organizations to create a more unified, liberal religious voice in America. Clearly, our history demonstrates a strong theistic base. So how did a faith so rooted in belief in God come to be associated with atheism? 
As early as the 1830s, both Unitarians and Universalists were studying and promulgating texts from world religions other than Christianity. By the beginning of the 20th century, humanists within both traditions argued that people could be religious without believing in God. This was a profound idea, since through the ages, atheists have been condemned by every major religion. In the church, in the synagogue, in the mosque, doubt itself has been grounds for banishment. In the Unitarian Universalist community, atheists and agnostics as secular humanists were accepted and in time became a significant number of our membership. But what exactly do humanists believe? And is it necessarily in opposition to a belief in God? In general, humanists hold to active ethical philosophies that affirm the dignity and worth of all people based on our ability to determine what is right and wrong using qualities innate to humanity, particularly rationality. Humanists focus on our capacity for self-determination and as such, reject transcendental justifications for our actions based on faith, sacred texts, or religious creeds. But does belief in self-determination necessarily exclude a belief in God? For an answer to this question, we can look to humanism itself. For while secular humanists reject theistic religious beliefs on the basis of the fact that religious views can't be supported rationally, religious humanists embrace some form of theism or deism. Religious humanists believe that secular humanism is too logical and disregards the full emotional experience that makes us human. While the form of theism embraced by religious humanists today may less often mirror the Judeo-Christian concept of the old man with the white beard who lives in heaven and translate more into belief that everything and all people who exist are one with a higher power and subject to some form of higher law beyond reason, it remains an important element of our faith that questions about the existence of God and opinions about what is meant by the word God are freely expressed. We can see then that over the course of five centuries of evolving Unitarian Universalism, a Christian belief in God has not been all that has guided us. In his book, Our Unitarian Heritage, published in 1925, Earl Wilbur states that Unitarian adherence to any religious doctrine has been far less important to our faith than our history as a, quote, progressive movement toward perfect freedom of thought and speech in religion, unquote. He states that three elements, a profound conviction on some of the greatest subjects of thought, a sacred personal experience hallowing the deepest part of our lives, and above all, a way of living are more fundamental to our faith than any particular theological doctrine. If that is so, why then should we talk about God or theology at all? Perhaps because the subject is like the elephant in the room. Everyone is thinking about it, but nobody wants to discuss it for fear of offending someone. 
There is, however, an imperative for talking about and embracing the existence of theology and atheism within our faith. For without open dialogue, acceptance and understanding of all viewpoints along the spectrum, we miss the point. Those who believe in God and those who believe in the rational mind as the final authority are both crucial to our religious faith. For the core religious tenet of Unitarian Universalism is to accept others and ourselves, regardless of our opinions about God or anything else. Our religion is based upon the precept that freedom of belief is more important than what we believe. In this country, we have become so used to the secular privilege of believing what we choose that we forget how unique it is to be afforded that same freedom within a religious denomination. It is amazing that our religion does not tell us or our children what to think about the great questions of our lives. Instead, it honors the inherent potential of human wisdom and intelligence to guide us. Years ago, my daughter, not yet a teenager, presented a talk about why she was glad to be a Unitarian Universalist. Here's an excerpt. Quote, I am glad I am a Unitarian Universalist because in our fellowship, I am able to speak my mind and people accept me, whatever my beliefs. I am also glad that I have been brought up being able to respect other people that have radical ideas. I like walking into a room in which everyone has their own beliefs and has not been programmed into thinking a certain way. She continued, some people in our fellowship are atheists. They don't believe in God. Others do believe in God. Of those who do believe in God, there are a lot of different beliefs about who or what God is. Some people have the idea that there is a personal God. Some believe that everyone has God inside of them. And some believe that God is everything, like the trees and the rocks. There are more beliefs about God than I could ever think of. Some people are still looking for what they believe. What is special about Unitarians is that no matter what someone believes, they will be accepted." Unquote. My personal take on the concept of God is as a metaphor for a transcendent element of being. In my life, I first experienced this transcendent nature in a state of deep meditation in India in the presence of my guru. It is difficult, if not impossible, to describe that experience, but suffice it to say that for a time, the incessant chatter of the mind stopped. Physical feelings and emotions were also absent. All that remained was a vast emptiness in which individual presence no longer existed. Perhaps an apt metaphor would be what scientists refer to as dark matter, that in which matter exists, but which itself cannot be measured. It is my belief that everyone has the potential to realize a transcendent level of being. It takes one beyond the individual ego, and in my view, is one important purpose of religious life, to discover that which is beyond the personal self. When we realize that, life can begin to flow through us, and we are released from the burdensome practice of trying to control it.
we can begin to accept that we are part of a whole that needs us to be authentically ourselves without judgment or condemnation. Each one of us is unique. There will never be anyone exactly like you or me. The sum total of all of us and all that is, I call God. Unitarian Universalism presupposes that in an atmosphere open to a free and responsible search for truth and meaning, through a variety of experiences, challenges, and inquiries, the goodness inherent within us will prevail. This, beyond our theological belief systems or any organizational doctrine, is what defines us. This principle encourages us to accept each other and, by extension, the rest of humankind. When we agree that it's okay to disagree about our beliefs in God or any other theological matter, we walk our talk as a faith which embraces diversity and creates spiritual community in which we listen to and learn from each other. In doing so, we shine the light of tolerance into the world and promote peace. Let's share. We also have uh, six sources right. that our religion is drawn from, and, and people don't really read these often, but one of them is from, um, where is it? Uh, let's see here. From the religions of the world, including Jewish, uh, in, here, start here. And, anyway, there's something here, oh, here it is, direct, <laughs> the first one, direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to a renewal of the spirit. That's the one that I was referring to in my personal experience mm -hmm. in India, and I think it's what moved Moses to share his teachings and Muhammad. So, and that, that's not something that can really be expressed or argued with reason. It's, a, it's a, such a subjective experience, and it's something that, you know, like the fact that I love my husband or I love my daughter cannot be proven empirically, and yet it exists to the very fiber of my being. And I think the fact that that's also one of our sources is, is really something to emphasize, at least for me personally. Thank you. And thank you, Eileen, for your um, wonderful, thought-provoking presentation. <laughs> so.